Hello and welcome back to Season 6 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We're continuing our walk through 1 John, and uh, we're on Part 3 of 1 John Chapter 2. So we'll finish up Chapter 2 this week, verses 18 through 29 of 1 John Chapter 2. So far in this chapter, John has talked about how Christians should not sin, but if and when we do sin, inevitably, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. John also has talked about keeping God's word, having the love of God perfected in us, also not loving the world or the things of the world. And now he's going to talk about Antichrist and some other things as well here at the end of chapter 2. Verses 18 and 19 we're going to notice Antichrist, and I try to say that with the S at the end. It's kind of hard to pronounce, but plural, Antichrists. And so we've all heard much ado about the Antichrist, singular, as a lot of people frame the idea. And according to premillennialists, according to what they believe, uh, the Antichrist soon is going to come in, and there's going to be this battle of Armageddon and the forces of evil versus the forces of Jesus and, and what whatnot. And many televangelists preach these sorts of things. But what we're going to find out here is uh, that premillennialism is, is wrong in so many ways, and certainly they're wrong on this subject. The word Antichrist is actually only found in the book of 1 John and also in 2 John. And there are many Antichrists, not just one. So we'll begin reading in verse 18 and 19. It says, Little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. It is the last hour. The Bible teaches that we right now are currently in the final dispensation of time, and we can turn over to Hebrews chapter 1 and read very clearly about this. Hebrews chapter 1, we want to look at verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days, so the last hour, the last days, the final dispensation of time, in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. There's other passages that teach similar things. Acts 2 verse 17, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's a, a prophecy that is found in Joel chapter 2, a prophecy of the church. And so... Jesus ushered us in to the last days uh, as he died for us on his cross and he built his church. Now, we are in the last dispensation of time. And when it comes to this idea of Antichrist, again, John says here in verse 18, little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So, in other words, what is this teaching? This is teaching that Antichrist, again plural, have been in the world since the first century, 
since uh, the final dispensation of time was ushered in uh, after the death of Christ on his cross. Now, what is Antichrist? Well, Antichrist is anything or anyone that is, get ready for this, anti-Christ, against Christ. So let's look at some other passages that deal with the idea of Antichrist. 1 John 2, verse 22, just uh, a few verses down. It says, Who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Who is a liar, except one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. So this flat out defines what an Antichrist is. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 3, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So just these verses that we're looking at, if you're talking to a premillennial, premillennialist, you can show them, hey, look, Antichrist, and even when it says the Antichrist in a couple of the verses, you know, uh, this is teaching that there are many, plural, but also it does say the Antichrist a couple of times too. But when did that occur? Well, it, it happened um, in when the final dispensation of time came, and that took place in the first century. But Second John chapter 1, we'll look at that one also. Second John 1 and verse number 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Very similar to what we just read. And it says, This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Again, it's against Christ, against his truth, to deny that Jesus came in the flesh. So we've got a very clear definition here. There are also many antichrists, as we have said, and they have been for a very long time. Now, I want us to turn and read a, another couple of passages that don't mention the word antichrist, but still, I believe, the same concept. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about false Christ that would come. Matthew 24, we're going to look at verses 5 and 24. Matthew 24. Verse number five, and also verse 24. Verse five says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. What had John just said? These are deceivers. So, same concept. And then verse 24 For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So, these would be anti-Christ. They're against Christ because they're false Christ and they're false prophets. What about the man of sin? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we want to look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So he's, he's exalting himself above God, exalting himself above the one who is rightly worshipped. Well, what is that? 
that's anti-Christ, right? It's against Christ. If if there's someone that is exalting himself above uh, Christ, who is due our worship, and it goes on and it says, so that he sits as God, he sits like God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this is blasphemy. This is somebody who is not God, but is claiming to be such. And that is what? That's anti-Christ. It's against Christ. That's, again, Second Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. There have been different ideas posed as to who this might be. A lot of people think that maybe it's the Jewish high priest uh, with uh, the Jews being against Christians in the first century. Others have suggested that maybe it has to do with the Pope. Uh, I tend to agree with maybe uh, Brother Guy in Woods that it might have been the Pope. Uh, but either way, it's somebody who is exalting himself as a godlike figure but is not God and is not worthy of worship. So this person is against Christ. He's anti-Christ. Well, when did these things take place? They took place in the first century. Uh, we're not looking for someone uh, future who is anti-Christ. Now, there are many anti-Christ even today, aren't there? There are lots of people who are against Christ. Verse number 19, again, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So in other words, these were individuals who evidently were included in the membership, we might say, uh, of the church. They were certainly among the church, but their true color showed and come to find out they actually were not faithful Christians. Maybe at one point they maybe might have been faithful members of the church, but they quickly fell out of true faithfulness. Maybe they even remained in the pews, so to speak, but they were actually false teachers. They were trying to create a following for themselves, teaching false doctrine. So they were anti-Christ. Now, verses 20 through 27, I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds of this um, as far as the word anointing, but uh, an anointing of truth is the idea here. He's using a play on words, and we know this because if you look at the original Greek, we're going to see the same word used uh, not only for Christ, but also for the idea of anointing. Why? Well, uh, what does Jesus Christ mean? Jesus Christ means Jesus the anointed one. Uh, the king, the Messiah, that sort of thing. So when you think think about this idea of anointing, you need to keep that uh, in mind. So Christos in the Greek, uh, Jesus Christos, Jesus the anointed one. And so when John uses the word, you have an anointing from the Holy One, the uh, Greek, again, is the word Christoi. And so it's it's a play on words, if you will. So verse number 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. We can know all things through Jesus Christ. Now, do we literally know all things? Like, are we omniscient like God is? Well, no, that's not what this is talking about. But I think it is in reference to Second Peter 1 verse 3, the idea there. We can know all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So through the knowledge of Christ, we can know everything that we need to know to have eternal life. That's the idea here in verse number 20. Verse 21, 
says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Basically, John tells us, look, you already know these things, but I'm having to remind you of them. Why? Because false teachers, anti-Christ, were going out and teaching false doctrine about Christ. Verse number 22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is anti-Christ who denies the Father and the Son. Again, the Jews would have been denying this at the time. Um, Eventually, the Catholic heresies are going to, well, I guess they, they accepted Christ per se, but they still had a lot of damnable heresies that they were involved in. Uh, also, the Gnostics, you know, John, the Apostle John deals with the Gnostics a lot. The Gnostics had some very strange beliefs, such as uh, they believed that Jesus did not really come in the flesh. He was more of like a, a hologram kind of figure on the cross and just just a, a lot of of terrible doctrine came out of the Gnostics. And so John has to address this uh, in his epistles, in his gospel account as well. So the very definition of a liar, the penultimate liar, if you will, is one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. Verse number 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, the Jews, certainly, uh, they believed in God the Father, but they did not believe in God the Son. Well, if you don't accept God the Son, then you, you can't have God the Father either, and vice versa as well. Verse number 24, Therefore let that uh, abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So a reminder of what they had heard from the beginning, the truth of Jesus's gospel. And they had heard the truth. They heard it the right way. They heard the gospel explained properly. False teachers are coming in and adulterating the gospel, changing it, preaching a false gospel. And some Christians were falling for it. And so John tells them, hey, you need to go back to the original, the original gospel of Christ. And John started this book with these simple facts of the gospel. If you go back and read 1 John chapter 1, the first several verses, you go back and you read uh, John chapter 1 as well, and the same ideas are taught. So if a Jew or a Judaizer comes along and tells you that the Messiah is yet to come, or uh, that maybe you need to continue to keep the circumcision or the Old Testament feast or food laws, etc., are you going to believe that person? Well, you shouldn't. Uh, what if a Gnostic or a Sadducee comes along and denies the resurrection of Jesus? Are you going to believe that? Again, uh, go to the original gospel and you'll see that those things are false. Verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So that's the gist of the gospel right there, uh, eternal life that we can have through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 26 these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So point blank, John plainly says that there were people trying to deceive Christians and turn them away from the truth. So we don't need to listen to people like that, and there are people like that today. Galatians 3 verse 1, uh, Paul writes, Who hath bewitched you? The Galatians were bewitched. If you go back to Galatians chapter 1, Verses 6 through 9, Paul marveled that they had been removed from the gospel to another gospel, 
uh, which is not another. And Paul goes on to say that if anyone preaches any other gospel unto you than that which we've already preached to you, let him be accursed. And he repeats that. He says it twice because it's such a, a serious matter. Another passage that deals with this concept, uh, Jude, verse 3. Jude had to write to them to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once and, and for all delivered to the saints. Why? Because they had been deceived, deceived into ungodliness. And, and false teachers were coming in and, and telling them to use the grace of of Christ as, as an excuse to or a license to keep on living in sin. And so Jude teaches against that. That's a false gospel. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and following also teaches against that false gospel as well. Verse number 27 here in First uh, John chapter 2, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So again, John points out that they should already know all of these things. This is just a reminder. Uh, probably some some uh, mention here of the miraculous era with the uh, miraculous ability to discern the spirits. There were people, uh, there were regular Christians who had that particular miraculous gift, and they could have known very readily, uh, hey, these guys are false teachers. We don't need to listen to these guys. Uh, finally, this last section Verse uh, 27, the second part, on to verse 29, the idea of abiding in Christ. So again, the second part of verse 27, it says, uh, But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So what does this plainly teach about the idea of the impossibility of falling, uh, the false idea of perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved, whatever you want to call it? It tells us that it's false. Uh, We have to abide in Christ. What does that mean? That means we have to remain in him. We must remain in Christ till the end. Unfortunately, there are many Christians who fall away. And those who John is addressing here, the Antichrist, uh, people who had fallen away and started preaching false doctrine. Well, John is reminding Christians that uh, if they succumb to these false doctrines, then they also will uh, fall away. Thus, they need to remember and make sure that they abide in Jesus Christ. Verse number 29 It says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. We know that Jesus is righteous, and we know that everyone who practices righteousness with him, walking in his light, uh, walking in the steps of the Savior, as we sometimes sing, is born of him. We need to make sure that we're walking in his light. We need to make sure that when we do sin, that we... uh, Take that to the Lord in prayer. We're so thankful that we have an advocate uh, with the Father uh, to carry our prayers uh, to the Father so that when we do sin, we can repent of those things and confess those sins and be forgiven uh, as we walk in the light. His blood will cleanse us uh, of those sins as we repent. So let's think about these things this week that we've studied in First John chapter 2. 
Again, let's not fall for the false doctrines that are so rampant around us. Let's not get caught up in antichrist. Also, let's not look for some future antichrist because uh, the antichrist are already here. They're anybody who preaches uh, a doctrine that is contrary to the doctrine of Christ. False teachers will continue to reign uh, throughout time as long as the earth stands in its final dispensation of time. Unfortunately, many people are deceived by uh, antichrist false teachers, but those who do abide with Christ in the truth will be just fine on the day of judgment. I hope that you've enjoyed this study of 1 John chapter 2. Lord willing, next week we will get into the first part of 1 John chapter 3 on the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.